Welcome to Friendship Talks. Are you listening? My name is Dr. Corliss Thompson, and I am the host of the podcast today, and I'm a proud member of Friendship Missionary Baptist Church and the Social Justice Ministry. As part of the Social Justice Ministry at Friendship, we have a public education committee. The public education committee is committed to social justice in public education via serving the schools in West Charlotte on the Beatty's Ford Road Corridor, empowering parents and others at Friendship and also the local community to advocate, support, and encourage their children on their learning journey, and encouraging individuals to become tutors, mentors, and actively involved and engaged in the school, regardless of if they have children at the school or not. When I think about social justice and education, I like to think about and use the, t- the definition that Bell, Adams, and others use, which many might be familiar with, They say, quote, the goal of social justice is full and equal participation of all groups in a society that is mutually shaped to meet their needs. Social justice includes a vision of society in which the distribution of resources is equitable and all members are physically and psychologically safe and secure. When I think about full and equal participation in society, I think about what it takes to be a fully participating citizen, and I immediately think of having a basic education that empowers you to read, think critically, and analyze the world around you so that you can influence and shape what's happening. Then I think about learning spaces. Are our schools mutually shaped to meet our children's needs? How so? Are they physically and psychologically safe and secure? And what is our role as individuals? as community members, and shaping social justice within education, specifically for our youth. This is important to us at the Social Justice Ministry because as Psalms 127.3 says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. And as Zechariah 7.9 says, dispense true justice, practice kindness and compassion to each other, and do not oppress or exploit the widow, the parentless, the stranger, or the poor. And that makes us ask, are our children being oppressed? Do they have what they need to get the education that they deserve? And what is our role? So to help us think through these questions, today's guest is Mrs. Shanna Ray, who is the principal of University Park Creative Arts Elementary School, a partner of Friendship Missionary Baptist Church. Today, we will interview Mrs. Ray about the importance of social justice in education, her new role as principal at University Park, and how the community can support Thank you, Mrs. Ray, for being here. Thank you. So well put. Excited to talk to you today. So um, one piece that I didn't share is that um, I was a teacher many, many years ago, um, and I remember my first year of teaching, I'll date myself, way back in 2004, and I remember Mrs. Ray was the teacher down the hall. And this was my first year of teaching really learning what it means to teach in an urban space. And I learned so much that year, and I remember learning so much from you. And so it's just a pleasure to be reconnected and to learn about what you're doing in education now. So can you tell us a little bit about that background in education? Um, How did you get started, and how did you become a principal? Well, I have been an educator for over 21 years now, and I truly believe that In order for me to make a difference um, within the community, I had to step outside of the classroom to have a bigger impact. 
Um, most of the students that I've served my entire career were students who came from impoverished backgrounds, um, meaning a lot of single-family homes, um, living below the poverty line. And so it was always my philosophy that all children can learn, not on the same day or, or in the same way, but that, but that all children could learn. And so being a classroom teacher and watching my colleagues, you know, year after year, um, where I would have high success rates, and some were not um, as, as successful as I was when it came to having students pass assessments at a high rate. And the common factor, um, honestly, was one belief, right? Having a belief that all children can learn and being able to provide a sound education based on culturally cultural relevance. So understanding where our children uh, come from, Right. And that every night they're not home, um, making homework a priority. So as a teacher, I would make room and make space for that homework to get done during morning work. The morning work became homework because some kids didn't have tables. Right. Because they were living in um, hotels. And so some of my colleagues understood and some didn't. And therefore, you're playing, I call it a game, when it comes to the lives of our children, because every second, every day truly matters. And I understood my impact in the classroom, but I knew I wanted more. And actually, it was a principal. I had an idea. And I went to a principal, and I said, hey, I think it would be great if we do. And that principal said, well, when you get your own school, that's something that you can do. And at first, I thought, oh, my gosh. That was harsh. But then I thought about it. Well, why don't I get my own school? So then I started researching and figuring out, well, what do I need to do to become a principal? Because a principal has more impact, right, on who's teaching in the classroom. Um, How are we selecting these teachers, right? Because we can't select our kids. We have to serve every child that comes through our door. And so I became a facilitator after being a teacher, because that's one step away from the administrative role. And I was able to show great impact by helping to move a school from 30% to math as a school to 70%, the, the school that you and I both worked at. And I did that as a facilitator. And then um, I had a principal who believed in me and said, you know, Shanna, you can go really far. Let's keep going. Let's work together to figure out what can your end goal be. And then went back to school for my administrative license, became an assistant principal, um, and shortly thereafter became principal um, at my at uh, Windsor Park Elementary School, where we were able to serve children and make a difference then. So me understanding my role as a teacher, my impact was limited to just my four walls, wanting to make a difference based off of what I saw was missing and being that game changer that I was seeking. Absolutely. You said a whole lot there that I think is really important, um, um, especially as it relates to impact. One of the things that you said that really struck me was about the children that you worked with. You said that some students, especially your students come from impoverished backgrounds, they might not be able to sit at home uh, with, you know, two parents, with a parent to do homework at night. Um, And so figuring out ways to accommodate during the school day so the students can still rise to the expectations that they have to meet, not lowering the expectations, but understanding that because of circumstances, 
we might have to do things a little bit differently in the classroom. And I think that that messaging is important because so many times in education, I might hear somebody say, we need to get the parents to do this. They need to do this at home. They need to do that. But I hear you're saying we need to look at things a little bit differently in terms of how we approach families and children and communities. Can you comment a bit more about that? Absolutely. Parents send you their very best. And so sometimes we as people, we put our morals and values on others when you not knowing what it means to be in a single family household, maybe you do, maybe you don't, um, but having children you have to fend for, right? And you have, you have to have two jobs to make ends meet. So sometimes kids have to get themselves up and they have to get themselves ready without a responsible adult. Um, being at the table because the kids have now taken on a lot of those responsibilities at home. And as a teacher, if you're not aware of that, you're automatically um, saying that these are kids that don't care about their education or these parents are parents who don't care. I always say parents had their chance. When children walk through our door, there's nothing that I can do outside of my door that's going to control anything other than what's happening inside the door. So when kids come into the building, it's our time to get what we need, to give them what they need, to nurture them, and to be a sup be a supplement, right? To supplement for things that they were not getting in the household with their parents. And it doesn't mean their parents don't care. They're working two jobs, sometimes three jobs, and to put food on the table. So priorities are shifting. And it doesn't mean that education takes a backseat. It just means that paying rent is first and foremost, having food on the table. And so educators is, is no longer a thing where teachers are really just teaching math and literacy. You are teaching the whole child. And until we as educators understand we're teaching the whole child, we'll continue to miss the mark. Hmm. And I think that that's, that's the message for schools and teachers, but also for us that really want to wrap our arms around schools as community members. We also need to come to the table really understanding that as well and that dynamic. Can you talk a little bit more about your new school, University Park? How long have you been there? What's coming ahead? Um, who are the children? Since June of this year, and it has been an amazing roller coaster. I was very comfortable at the job that I was at. I loved, you know, what we put in place for eight years. Things were working, smooth sailing. So when this call came, I immediately, at first I said, no, I'm, I'm fine where I am. And then it was my mother who said, um, if you're, if you're, it, she said, Shanna, think of it this way. You need to get out the way because you might be in the way. And I didn't understand what she meant until I accepted the position. And when I got there, I truly understood that, once again, I'm back to where I started, as you know, at Billingsville. Um, the school that I was at previously didn't have the same demographic. This school does. So it's full circle for me, um, coming back into a well, <laughs> a neighborhood that's rich with black history and the fact that I'm able to serve in a school that was built for that were, that was actually built for African Americans when African Americans were not allowed to go and integrate into other schools, University Park Creative Arts was built for that reason. The same as Billingsville with Mr. Billingsley, so it was similar demographics, similar situation, 
And seeing the school, I saw the potential, talking to the teachers, and knowing that this is a failing school. It is an F school. It gave me the fuel to know that we're going to be a B school working towards being an A school because I understand what our children need. And I'm in a position now where I wasn't when I was a classroom teacher at Billingsville to truly make things happen and to have a huge impact. So we started with the body of the school and friendship uh, members came and we, we did a walk uh, around the building. And so when you come back now, you'll see a whole new facelift. You'll see that renovations have taken place because kids need to feel good about the place that they're at. They need to feel good about uh, showing up at a place that they're going to call their home for the next 180 days. So we started with the environment, the outside, and then we went into the building and we started with the affirmations. So when kids walk in the building, they'll see affirmations and they'll feel good about that. And then we looked at the curriculum, making sure that what the district is telling us we need to do, that is in place. And then I hired 10 coaches to wrap their arms around teachers who may or may not know the curriculum, but my coaches know the curriculum and they're going to be there every step of the way. So it was, it's been an interesting ride. I, I feel like I've been there for a year now. Um, but it's only been a few months, and we've already made a lot of changes. Wow. Um, so it really sounds like you've not only kind of made over kind of the outside of the school, but in terms of just the inner workings, um, the people that have been brought in, the curriculum, really getting it structured so that when children walk through on that first day and continue throughout the year, they have a supportive environment that will truly give them what, what they need. Can you say briefly, what does it mean to be at F school? What's that? So to be an F school or a CSI school is being at the pretty much 5% bottom of the district as far as performance. And so that's where the school ended. Um, I can't, as, as I told teachers, I'm not privy to a lot of things, so I can't speak to what was. I can only speak to what is and what will be. And so my goal was to look at the data, to look at the teachers, to look at um, grades, assessments, to look at the structure of things and to see, well, where, where were some missed opportunities, right? Where, because I believe, I, if I truly believe that all kids can learn, then I'm not buying into the philosophy that this is a failing school. This is a school that needs structure so that all kids can show that they can learn. In fact, it's a performing arts school. So you, you actually have a dual um, a, a dual uh, situation happening at the school where children who love to perform can dance. There's dance, there's theater, there's music, there's, there's the arts. But then academically, there were some gaps. And so what was happening? Who was, re who, who was responsible for these gaps? And what can we do to ensure that we fill those gaps and that we're on the road for being a B school, working towards being an A school? Absolutely. It sounds like you're definitely on your way. Can you talk about the, the biggest growth opportunities for the school? So some of the biggest growth opportunities for the school would be that I believe, first and foremost, believe. If we can get all people to understand that belief is the number one ingredient. First of all, I came up with the theme and it's called the rest. We have the recipe for success. 
So we have a theme, and everything that we do around the school comes back to that theme. So having the recipe means having the right resources in place, making sure you have the right people in place, and making sure you're working towards that common goal. And so we just had a retreat. I took the teachers to Chef Alyssa's to do a team-building activity where they had to work together, and the ingredients were all separated. And they had to come together, whether it was snails or something exotic, they had to work together as a team to make a dish. And it was based off a of presentation, taste, and um, how well you can taste the ingredients. My whole point was to get them to understand that we have to do the same thing in the school. We have our curriculum. We have our culture. We have professional development. We have all of these things that we need to put together, all of the ingredients, so that we can get the best result that we can get. And so that analogy, I'm hoping and I know, will carry throughout the year as an effective uh, retreat that the teachers truly appreciated and valued um, and, and the connection with the curriculum that we're getting ready to do um, will hopefully continue to show itself um, during our PLCs, during our walks, during our visits, during um, observations, so that when we get to the end, there are no surprises as to why we are where we are because of the recipe that we had. Sounds like you have a plan. Uh, when I hear the word recipe and, and bringing down, bringing together certain things and the right amounts, the right people at the right time, the right team, um, is what our children need to really be able to move forward. Um, and then I appreciated what you said about belief. Um, belief is so important to us as Christians, I think especially. That's what everything starts with, is what we're, what we're thinking about and what is our calling and what are we working towards. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about... Why the challenges in terms of where the school was, you know, the history in terms of the data, um, why is this a social justice issue? How does, how does this matter when you think about social justice in education? When I think of social, social justice, I think of a hierarchy. I think of a systematic way that has been clearly put into place and the people have been put in place. So when you think of University Park Creative Arts, you're dealing with a high impoverished area, just the whole Beatty's for area. And unfortunately, what comes along with being living in poverty is some negative stereotypes. But it's all systemic. It's all based off of the way the world that we live in. When you think of people who have to receive benefits. You also put people who receive uh, Medicaid in the same boat. You put people who can't learn in the same boat. You put people of color in the same boat. And unfortunately, it's, it's systemic. And it's something that is, is based off of the world that we live in. And the only control we have with it is to change education, which is a civil rights issue. So if you have uh, ineffective teachers in your building, or if you have people who don't believe, right? Belief we talked about was the number one ingredient, all right, to success. All they're doing is repeating exactly the systematic system that's been set up for us to fail. And when I say fail and I say us, I mean people of color. The system was not created. 
for us to be successful. Therefore, we have to find ways to make sure that we are successful. And some of those ways are, if our children are reading below grade level, what interventions are we putting in place to close those gaps? Are those interventions research-based? So the district that I work for, very clear on treatment protocol, uh, what we need to do um, as educators to close these gaps. And so it is our job as leaders to make sure we put those things in place and implement those interventions so that our kids have a fighting chance um, to become proficient and effective readers. You know, for every third grader that fell a test, and if people don't know this, this is true, jail cells are being built. Because if children are failing, most likely they'll drop out of high school, and then where do they go? And unfortunately, the inside of that is third grade test results are a direct result of how many jail cells are built. So if we as educators don't do something about that, right, because that's systemically set up for that, that way, then we're going along with that trajectory unless we do things to change it. Absolutely. So when I think back to the definition of social justice and this idea of full and equal participation of all groups, what I hear you saying is that for children of color, especially children that are in impoverished conditions, they have not been given the opportunity to fully or equally participate. Those systems that have been created were not created to really give them the access that they needed so that they can actually learn. And what you're doing with the recipe that you're creating is actually beginning to unlock some of those conditions. So that way the kids can benefit from these research-based interventions um, that they need. Absolutely. And it starts with our set limiting beliefs. So some of our children come to school thinking they can't learn and thinking that they're not smart because some adult have indirectly or directly said that to them. So they're already coming with failure on their mind. And so as an educator, it is so important that you as a leader have people in your building that are not perpetuating those stereotypes or those uh, limited self-beliefs because that is exactly why many of our children are not successful because somebody directly or indirectly says something to them that made them feel as if they're not good learners or they're not equipped to be smart or they can't be A students. And so they settle for second best or they just settle. So again, part of the recipe, belief, making sure you have effective teachers in every classroom. One, not good enough. Two, not good enough. Three, not good enough. You can't have pockets of success if you want to be successful as a school. And so with that comes some uh, people will be uncomfortable, right, because change is inevitable. And with that change, um, things may get uncomfortable real quick, but it's okay because it's all for the betterment of our children that we serve. Absolutely. Part of that growth process. So um, just to summarize a couple of things, as you're kind of working on on this recipe, I heard you say that there's a, a physical aspect to this. Like you've kind of done some recreating at the school to make sure that it's 
create. Um, it looks nice for the children. It feels welcoming. It's inviting. But it's not just about that physical environment and making sure the kids are coming to school with everything that they need and they feel safe and secure. But truly the beliefs, a lot of them are coming in not having the belief that they can be successful. Um, so teachers are really having to support and nurture that. And then they are also having to really teach and educate the kids based on these kind of research-proven, um, de demonstrable ways of teaching and making progress. So given that structure that you've put in place, it sounds amazing, and we're really excited to, to be able to continue to support you. How can the community support you? What, what types of things are, are you looking for? If you're not a teacher, you talked about the role of teachers, but if you're not a teacher, what can you do? If you're not a teacher, you can sponsor a local school. Sometimes it's not just about money. It's not about financial. Sometimes it's about time, uh, friendship. We talked about having lunch buddies so that when students are in the, in the lunchroom, they have an adult that they can trust uh, read to them or they're reading to the adult. Uh, if you think of uh, homes that where children come from, impoverished homes, reading at home at night, that's not something that actually happens. And therefore, when it comes to statistics, if you're not reading at home for 30 minutes a day, you're already set behind. And that is very important. So as a school, to incorporate an extra 30 minutes of reading during lunchtime, building a relationship that's dealing with the social-emotional learning of the child, you're hitting that piece. People are actually speaking to the child in a positive way. The child is feeling better and better about themselves, getting gaining more confidence, and then you're reading with them or they're reading to you. So there's that practice of reading. Maybe you're asking some comprehension questions. There's the vocabulary there. Within 30 minutes, you can make a difference in a child's life by being a reading buddy. Imagine if we had community members that built relationships with children. You can break so many ceilings because children will believe that they can actually achieve something so reading buddies is 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 one hundred percent something that the community can truly get involved with and be involved with. Um, coming out for our quarterly celebration, sponsoring children who have all A's or children who have all A's and B's. When I looked at the shelves at the school, they have so many certificates for A's and B's because none were given out. So that is my goal to ensure that children are walking away from quarterly assemblies celebrated. And how do we do that? We do that by having strong community relationships with people coming out, tutoring children to make sure we're closing those gaps, whether it's in the morning, during lunch, or after school. Um, that That's just a start. That's what the community can do. And then school supplies. Thankfully, Friendship is sponsoring University Park Creative Arts with over 250 book bags so that families don't have to worry about spending money over $150, I will tell you, to, to, to furnish a book bag, school supplies for your child for the year, $150 plus with supplies. You can always put it in a Walmart shopping cart and you can scan it and see we're asking parents to pay that much money, which is ridiculous. And then you have your clothing, right? So clothes, shoes, sneakers, um, these are things that parents are worried about, sending their kids equipped, and they can't do it. And sometimes they're like, you know, this is what I have. 
And as a school, you have to pick up the bill and you, because you want the child to be successful. The community can step in and pick up the bill so that all children are successful and have book bags and have pencils. Absolutely. So I um, actually went shopping the other day. I oh. went to Walmart and, um, you know, I don't have children. Mm -hmm. So I got to put the things in my cart. And yes, um, $150 is, is about right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that's what it takes. So I heard you say um, coming to the school, sponsoring um, a student with it being their lunch buddy, reading with them, quarterly celebrations, um, the school supplies, other types of supplies um, really is just the beginning. And so I know that um, we as a public education committee and the social justice ministry at Friendship is, is committed to really helping to support this year, and we're really excited to do that. Um, and we want to invite everyone to join us, um, join us in the work with University Park. If you're not able to be at the school during the day to be a lunch buddy, there's lots of other ways to get involved. Um, if all you can do is be on a Zoom meeting, we have ways to get those folks involved um, as well with the work that we're doing. Um, so um, as Isaiah 1-7 says, mm -hmm. um, learn to live right, see that justice is done. Um, and he says to defend widows and orphans. I'm going to change that to defend our children mm. um, and really help the oppressed. Um, and we really would just like to invite everyone to to join us. Um, and so with that, I'm going to close this out in just a word of prayer. Um, the school year is getting ready to start. Not sure when people will be listening to this, but we want to just offer a word for University Park. Father, thank you so much for this day and for everything that you've blessed us with. Thank you for appointing Mrs. Ray to be the principal of University Park. We know that you've chosen her um, and her leadership, and we just ask that you give her wisdom and peace and the entire team as they work towards their plan and really seeing that every child has the learning experience that they need. Please um, protect them with safety, um, give them joy, um, and give them your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Mrs. Ray, for joining us. And Thank I hope you. that you'll come back to report on the successes. Part two. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us for Friendship Talks. Are you listening? Mm. Thank you, Corliss. And before we part, Social Justice Ministry wants to offer you, the listeners, an opportunity for fellowship, service, and, of course, to stay in the know. Just remember that all the opportunities I'm going to talk about are going to be listed on our church website, and that is www.friendshipcharlotte.org. First up, we have every third Saturday at 7 a.m. our prayer breakfast that you can attend via Zoom. So it's a great opportunity for prayer, scripture, song, testimony, and of course, fellowship. So we hope to see you there. Secondly, Bible study is coming back in September. Once again, you can find out the details of the different ministries and Bible studies, the times and dates on our website, but it's always a good time. You know you need to get into the Word, so nothing's stopping. Third, for all those golfers out there, we are going to host our 12th annual Hunter Memorial My Sister's House Charity Golf Tournament on September 25th at 8.30 a.m. So this will be at the Irish Creek Golf Club that's up in Kannapolis. It's an awesome opportunity, of course, for fellowship, but also to golf and to golf for a great cause. So we hope we see you there. The weather should be a lot cooler as well. Fourth up, we have Cross Ministry presenting Cross Walkers. So this is a great cause, once again, to honor those impacted and affected by cancer on September 30th. 
We're meeting at the church parking lot at 815. That address is 3400 Beatty's Ford Road. We hope to see you there with your sneakers on. Social Justice Ministry wants to make sure that you all also have an opportunity to affect change in the political realm and the social realm. We are hosting our Political Action Forum on October 3rd and 5th. Both dates, the event will start at 6 o'clock, so you'll have an opportunity to, to meet the candidates. On October 3rd, the candidates that you'll meet will be running for CMS Board of Education. The forum will start at 6.30. On October 5th, the candidates that you'll meet will be the Charlotte Mayor, Charlotte City Council at Large, and Charlotte City Council Districts 3 and 6. So both those events will be in person at the church. We look forward to hearing your questions and concerns. I've gone several times and participated. It is always informative, and it's a time to voice your opinion. There are many other activities and events that the church is involved in, and you can find out all about them by going to our website. Once again, that's www.friendshipcharlotte.org. You can actually make this a lot easier on yourself if you also just subscribe to the e-bulletin that comes out weekly. In that e-bulletin, you can get access to information about a range of ministries and upcoming events. We hope you join us again for Friendship Talks.